Welcome to the Hope City Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Open your Bibles with me. The book of Isaiah is where we're going to start off today. And today we're going to talk about the Prince of Peace. We are... We talked about this a little bit last week. We're in the season of what's called Advent, and, and there's four different themes that are generally talked about during the Advent season, hope, peace, faith, and joy. Today, we're going to talk about peace, and we're going to talk about peace because um, I believe the Lord has a different definition of peace than many of us have of the word peace, and we're going to talk about this for a few minutes. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody where they're using the wrong word in a conversation, and you know they're using the wrong word, and you're like, who's seen The Princess Bride? One of the greatest masterpieces of all time. And there's a scene in the movie between, I think it's Inigo Montoya, this, the man who's looking for the six-fingered man who killed his father. He's a swordsman. And uh, that little short guy, what's his name, Fezig? Talks with the lisp. He's bald. He's one of my bald brothers. Do you know who I'm talking about? And they get into, into this battle of the wits. And there's this one scene where Fezzik, I think, no, Fezzik's the giant. Uh, anyways, the little short guy. He keeps talking and he keeps saying the word inconceivable. 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 And Anigo Montoya says, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. <laughs> And I was thinking about this during worship because I think a lot of us use words that are in the Bible, but we don't necessarily use them the same way the Lord uses them. We have our own spin on them. We have our own thoughts about what they mean. So Isaiah, we're going to look here, we're going to start here, and then we're going to talk about this a bit. Isaiah chapter 9, in verse uh, 6 and 7, we're going to read, and it says this, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Back up in verse 6, he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So we're going to talk about peace today. This is a prophecy about Jesus. This was prophesied 700 years before he showed up, before he was born. And here Isaiah is prophesying by the Spirit of the Lord, saying this is who he's going to be. He is the Prince of Peace. So let's talk about for a few minutes what peace actually means because it's important for us to understand peace, what real peace is. So I went to go look in the dictionary, first of all, to find out what peace means. In Webster's 1828 dictionary, which is the greatest dictionary you could ever read. If you want a good dictionary, go back to the year 1828 when Noah Webster wrote his groundbreaking word dictionary. And he wrote this for the word peace. He said, peace is this. Freedom from agitation or disturbance by the passions. 
as from fear and terror, anger, anxiety, or the like, quietness of mind, tranquility, calmness, or quiet of conscience. That's a lot of words we don't really use anymore. So Webster's Now Dictionary says it this way. Peace is a state of tranquility or quiet. Freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts and emotions. Harmony in personal relations and a state of mutual accord between government. So the world thinks peace is not fighting. The world thinks peace is quiet and calm in the home. The world thinks peace is quietness inside of you, in your heart and your mind. And those things are all accurate. Those are all aspects of the word peace. I was driving to somewhere the other day. I forget where I was going, but it was early in the morning, and we live out at Cultus Lake, and we live at the far end of Cultus Lake, which means we got to drive past the lake every day, which is one of my favorite parts of going anywhere, is, except when I'm in a hurry, because uh, you're so far at the end of the lake. But we're driving past the lake. There's this one great part of the lake when you're driving, um, and the road comes right beside the lake, and it's like at lake level, like you're, the road is just like right beside the lake. And I was driving, and it was, I think it was the day after it had snowed, or the day that it did snow, and as I'm driving, I'm, I get this section of the road where the, where the road comes down beside the lake, and I'm just like, like at lake level, like just looking straight out at the water. And um, <clears throat> the water was glass, like it was, there was no movement at all, which I always love. There's something inside of me when I see water like that, I want to disturb it. I want to jump in it, I want to splash in it. But it's like, it's so, it's beautiful. It's calm, it's peaceful. You see this water not moving. And then I looked up, and then above the water, there was this big, white, moody uh, cloud. Not like a puffy cloud, not like a nice cloud you'd see on a sunny day. This was like elongated and stretched out, and it didn't really have a defined edge to it. You know what I'm talking about when I say like a moody cloud, and it's kind of like just hovering there? And it was hovering above the water and against the mountain across the lake, and then above where the cloud ended on the top, above that, half of the mountain was covered in snow. And it was beautiful. It was peaceful, and I thought about pulling over and just stopping and getting out and staring and looking at this and just like being in the moment, like, wow, this is beautiful. But see, as beautiful as it is, a lot of people think that's what peaceful and calm is, and it is. But I want to tell you today, peace in the Bible goes beyond just an experience. Peace in the Bible is much more than just the absence of fighting or quarreling or bickering or the, the tension or the anxiety or the frustrations you feel when you can't do something, when you have bills to pay, when the doctor gives you a report and you have that anxiety inside of you. Peace, when the Lord talks about peace, it goes beyond that. So let's talk about what peace actually is. So here when it says the Prince of Peace, that word in the Hebrew is the Hebrew word shalom. We've all heard this word before, haven't we? Are you with me still? Just give me a few minutes. We're going somewhere. All right, it's shalom. And the word shalom, uh, it means wholeness. It means safety. It means welfare, talking about your welfare, your health, and your prosperity. So this is who the Lord is. Jesus is the prince of peace. Jesus is the prince of wholeness. Jesus is the prince of safety. Je Jesus is the prince of your wealth and your health and your prosperity in your life. Now, this word shalom actually comes from the Hebrew word shalam 
And this is a verb. It's an action word, and it means this. And this is important to know because there's, there's, there's what we think the definition of peace is, which is one-dimensional. And, and our English words don't always do a good job of translating the Hebrew and the Greek words of the Bible. Our English words uh, often fall really short, right? Anybody, if you've studied the Bible at all, if you've studied Hebrew words, you'll look at one word. And for English words, a lot of times our words, you know, they just mean what they say. Like this is this, is this and that's what it means. But in Hebrew or Greek, a lot of times you'll find that a word doesn't just mean the definition. It means a whole expression or action or a thought pattern or a way of life. And so it's important to understand when God says he's the prince of peace, that Jesus is the prince of peace, that beyond just that calming sense and and that tranquility and that serenity you may feel in a moment, there is so much more when Jesus is the prince of peace that you need to understand. And so it's completeness and it's wholeness. Now this verb, shalom, which shalom comes from, means to be safe and to be completed. The primary meaning of this word is to be safe or uninjured in your mind or body. This word is normally used when God is keeping his people safe. And in its simple form, this verb means to be completed or finished. It also speaks of restoration and retribution, when something has to be given back. Now, um, in Exodus chapter 22, verse 4, There's a scripture that talks about if somebody steals something, if they steal an ox, then they have to shalam it back to the person. They have to pay pay it back to the person. They have to restore what was stolen back to the person. This is a whole lot of cerebral talk, a lot of definitions, but it's important we know this and understand it so that we get the whole picture of what peace is when God talks about peace. It's not just, even though Merriam-Webster and Noah Webster were awesome, there's more than just, um, you know, freedom from oppressive thoughts and emotions and harmony in your personal relationships and not having war. In God's economy, in God's way of speaking, in God's kingdom, peace involves completeness and wholeness. Here's a really good way to say this. The... um, Shalom and peace and shalom basically summed up mean completeness, wholeness, harmony, and fulfillment. It really means this, that when God talks about peace, what he's really saying is that in your life, he is the God who makes sure that nothing is missing and nothing is lacking. So when he talks about peace, when he says peace to you, When he is the God who is the God of peace, he's talking about he is a God that makes sure that in your life that nothing is missing, that nothing is lacking, that you are complete and whole the way that he designed you to be. I don't know about you, but I know that in my own life, I could use some of the Lord's kind of peace. 
Natural peace is good. We want natural peace. We don't want to have strife and fighting in our home, right? Nobody wants that. Those are good things to have. But I want to go beyond that, and I want to have the Lord's kind of peace in my life. I want to have completeness and wholeness in my body, in my mind, in my emotions. I don't want to just have freedom from oppressive thoughts. I want to have my thought life restored and made whole to the way that God designed it to be. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because there is, you can have freedom, and freedom is a, 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 a momentary thing. Freedom can be like just for a moment where you are free from these oppressive thoughts, where you are free from the enemy attacking you, and in that moment you have peace and you have freedom. But when the Lord comes along and brings peace into your life, it's not a momentary thing. Somebody needs to hear this. When God brings peace into your life, it's not for a moment. When God brings peace into your life, it is for uh, restoration and repair, and he brings healing, completeness, and wholeness to you so that your freedom isn't momentary, it is lifelong. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? So this is what peace is. And and I always like to think of this. When it talks about this, and it's very simple, and you've heard me say it many times before, but it says that Jesus is the prince of peace. And I like to think about it this way, that if Jesus is the prince, a prince is somebody who has a kingdom and a realm that they reign over. And if Jesus is the prince of peace, it means that his kingdom and his dominion and his realm and his world is a world of peace that he rules and reigns over And as we become his sons and daughters, guess what? We become part of that kingdom of peace that he has. And we no longer have to live in a world of confusion and chaos. But we are grafted into his family. And Colossians talks about how he transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love. And when you're transferred into that kingdom, you move into a kingdom of peace And kingdom of peace means a kingdom of completeness and wholeness with nothing missing and nothing lacking in your life. It is, yeah. It is good. I'm not saying, I'm saying it's good. It's good. And I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that we have a Savior who loves us and cares us so much, cares about us so much, that he sent his son down to be the price paid for our sins so that God could restore us and bring us back to completeness and wholeness in him. <laughs> yeah. So we sing songs like our devotion. How's that song go? Our affection, our devotion, poured out on the feet of Jesus. See, if we we don't have an understanding and a realization of who Jesus is and what he's done for us, you're not going to be able to sing that song very effectively. You might as well turn on the radio in your car and sing along with that. But when you grasp 
deep down and you understand the work that Jesus did for you, when you understand the things that Jesus has for you in him, when you understand that God wants to restore you, that God wants to bring peace into your life, and that peace is about restoration and completeness and wholeness, and when you understand that, then you can sing from the bottom of your heart, all my devotion and all my affection, I pour it out you, because there's nobody greater than you. There's nobody more wonderful than you. There's nobody that can fix me like you fixed me. There's nobody that's done what you've done for me. And so I'm pouring out all that I have at your feet. All right. So that's what peace is. Where does peace come from? Peace comes from the Lord. Very simply, peace comes from the Lord. We're going to look at four scriptures quickly together. But you need to know that peace comes from God. Peace doesn't come from another person. Peace doesn't come from buying a new house. Peace doesn't come from getting that job you've always wanted. Peace doesn't come from having enough money in your bank account. Yes, all those things can bring some kind of peace to you. But like I said before, the world's peace always seems to be momentary. The Lord's peace, when he brings his peace to you, brings you back to completeness and wholeness. And let me tell you something about the Lord working in your life. When the Lord works in your life, it's not a momentary, it's not a band-aid over a bullet hole. Well, man, oh, you got shot. You're bleeding out. Well, here's a Band-Aid. I hope that, that it's going to stop the bleeding, and then we'll, you know, you'll be fine. It'll heal on its own. When the Lord brings peace into your life, he brings that completeness and wholeness and takes what was ever broken and repairs it. That's what peace is to the Lord. Judges chapter 6, go with me in your Bibles there. We're going to go to Judges chapter 6, and this is a story about our friend Gideon. And uh, I'm just going to tell you real quickly this story so we don't have to read the whole thing. Um, But Gideon, the children of Israel, were being oppressed by the Midianites and the Amalekites and all these different kind of ites that were attacking them. They'd sinned, they disobeyed the Lord, and they were being dealing with those consequences And Gideon, in Judges chapter 6, is um, outside in a wine press, hiding, threshing wheat so that nobody can come and steal it. He's trying to hide from everybody so they don't see him. He's out there threshing wheat, trying to get some food. Whenever the Midianites, the Amalekites, and all these other people would see them out there with their harvest, they would come and attack them, steal all their food, and leave the children of Israel with nothing. And so Gideon, in Judges chapter 6, is out there trying to get some food for his family. Bible says that uh, the angel of the Lord shows up and sees Gideon hiding in this wine press, threshing his wheat, sees him down there, and he says to him, hey, and this is, this is my own paraphrase, I'm not reading the Bible, I'm just quoting, I'm just paraphrasing it for you. He says, hey, there, there he is, there's my guy, there's the mighty man of valor, there's my warrior, this is my guy right here. And Gideon's like, are you talking about me? You're like, you talking about me? Listen, you need to remind yourself, you need to remember sometimes that the Lord, when he speaks to you, he doesn't speak to you 
as who you see yourself as. God doesn't speak to you in the weakness that you, he doesn't speak to you and say, oh, I have all my deficiencies. I got all my problems. I got all my weaknesses. I can't do this because of this and this and this. When God speaks to you, he speaks to the you that he created you as. He speaks to the person inside of you that has the destiny that he formed. And when it talks about he created you in your mother's room, he speaks to that version of you. Not the version of you that you believe the world has told you about yourself. Not the version of you that you think of yourself as. But God speaks to you of the version, the truest version of yourself, the version that he created you at. So when God shows up and he says, hey, there's my guy. There's my mighty man of valor. There's my warrior. That's because that's who God created Gideon to be. And when God shows up and speaks to you in your life, he speaks to you the same way. So he shows up, they had this conversation, and they begin talking, and, and the Lord tells Gideon that, hey, I want you to go out, and I want you to go free our people. I want you to go fight against these people. We're going to bring freedom. We're going to set our people free. And Gideon's like, I'm not going to do that. I can't do that. I'm like the lowest, and I'm the lowest of the low of my family, and I can't do anything. I can't call the nation of Israel together. That's not my job. And they have this conversation. At some point in the conversation, Gideon realizes that it's the Lord that he's talking to, and he says, hang on, don't leave. I'm going to go and get an offering and bring it back. Please stay here until I bring my offering back so he goes off gets some meat comes back the angel of the lord says just put the meat there on the rock and so Gideon does that and he reaches out with his staff the angel of the lord does it touches it the fire comes out of the rock and consumes the offering and the angel of the lord disappears and in judges chapter 6 verse uh i'm not even in judges um <clears throat> sorry hang on a second joshua judges chapter 6 in verse 23, always go, I'm going to look in verse 22. It says, when Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, uh, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord says to him, Peace, don't be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. In the New King James, it says, He called it Jehovah Shalom. And I was thinking about this story. I'm like, this is an interesting, this is an interesting title for for um, uh, Gideon to give the Lord, the Lord is peace, the Lord is peace. Because not just because he said, peace to you, you're not going to die. But the bigger picture here, because Gideon understood the meaning and the, and the meaning behind the word peace. He understood that it wasn't just like calmness and serenity. He understood that peace meant restoration. He understood that peace meant making things that were broken, healed, and whole again. He understood that when God said, I want you to go back and I want you to free the people and here's what we're going to do. He understood that God was bringing things back to the way that he created them because that's what peace means to the Lord. So he said, you are Jehovah Shalom, the God who is peace, because peace to God means wholeness and completeness and restoration. So there's people here in this place that maybe you have things in your life that are broken, that are lost, that have been stolen, that aren't working the way that they were created to work. God is the God of peace. He is Jehovah Shalom to you, and he wants to come into your life. He wants to come into your battles. He wants to come into your story and show you that he's just not the God of calmness and let's just have a calm moment. But he is the God of peace where he's going to take what was broken and restore it and repair it and make it whole again. This is who God is. He is Jehovah Shalom. God is 
peace. Just like God is love, God is peace. God is a God who brings restoration, who brings completeness, who brings wholeness back to you. And maybe you're sitting here today and you have felt to yourself and you've said to yourself, I don't feel whole. I feel like part of me is missing. In my mind, I feel like there's part of my brain that doesn't work the way that it's supposed to. I feel like in my emotions, I feel like inside of me, just something is wrong. Something isn't right. I don't think right. I don't act right. I don't feel right. God wants to say to you today, whoever you are, that he is the God of restoration, that he is the God of peace, and he's coming into your life. If you will allow him, if you will work with him, he's coming into your life to restore and to repair and bring wholeness and completeness back to you today. John chapter 14, verse 27. Where does peace come from? Well, first of all, it comes from God. God is peace. Jehovah Shalom. John 14, 27. Jesus is speaking, and he says this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give you as the world gives you. Don't let your hearts be troubled, and don't be afraid. Peace I live with you. My peace. All right? Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 3. Verse 16 says this, the apostle Paul is talking and he says, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. So here we see in Judges chapter six, God is peace, Jehovah Shalom. In John chapter 14, verse 27, we see Jesus speaking and he says, my peace, I leave with you, my peace I give to you. In 2 Thessalonians, we see that Paul was talking and he calls the Lord what? The Lord of peace. Where does peace come from? It comes from God. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it's where we read about the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and Are you sure about that? Half of you seem convinced about that. The fruit of the Spirit is love, is joy, and it's peace. And we could keep going, but we're going to stop there because the point for today is peace. So we see that God is peace. We see that Jesus says, I'm giving you my peace. We see here in Galatians 5 talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that his fruit is a spirit of peace. Peace is very important to the Lord. And like I've been trying to say, and I hope you're understanding this, and I hope it's making sense and getting into your heart. Peace isn't the way that we think of peace. Inconceivable, inconceivable, inconceivable. Huh? Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jen was telling me his name. I just wasn't sure what was happening. <laughs> um... It's okay. It's okay. Obviously, it wasn't that important of a thought. <laughs> Inconceivable. Yeah, there we go. Inconceivable. A lot of us, we don't have God's definition written in our hearts of what peace is. We have our own definitions. We take from our own experiences. We take from our own reality and say, 
This is what peace is to me. And can I tell you that your reality matters, your perceptions matter, those are great things. But I also want to tell you this, beyond your reality, beyond your perception, beyond your experiences, there is a higher way that we always need to submit and surrender to, and that is the Lord's way. And so take your experiences, take your evaluations, take your thoughts, take your perceptions, and surrender and submit them to the Lord and say, this is what I think what peace is. Why don't you tell me what you think peace is? Because I guarantee you that what God thinks of peace and what you think of peace, what, well, I'll talk about for myself, because what I think of peace are vastly different. But when I begin to align myself with God's definition and realize what peace means to him when he talks about peace, then we begin to see inside of our life that there begins to become completeness and wholeness and things being repaired and things being restored. This is, we're in the season of Advent. We are talking about Jesus who was, this was, Isaiah's prophecy was written 700 years before Jesus showed up. Calling him, he will be the prince of peace. He is the prince of peace to us now. We need to understand fully and completely what that peace looks like so that we can walk in it in fullness and completion. The Lord is peace. So how do we keep ourselves in the peace of God? How do you stay in peace? How in the middle of your busy life, how in the middle of the craziness of your babies yelling and screaming and waking up every hour of the night, how in the, in the madness of your job that never seems to it, how in all the things that you have to deal, your bills you got to pay, the doctor's reports, the errands you got to run, how in the midst of all these things in your relationships that are always seemingly under tension, you can never quite pinpoint what the problem is, but all you know is there's always tension in this one relationship and I just can't get to the the bottom of it and no matter how hard I try I can't unravel this mystery of why there's tension how do you keep yourself in peace in those times Isaiah chapter 26 go with me there and we're going to finish up in this passage of scripture are you with me am I alone on this journey today okay peace matters to the Lord. You know, I said this in the nine o'clock service, and um, looking at this, these last scriptures that we just looked at, how God is called peace, and the Lord is, Jesus is peace, and, and um, the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is peace in your life. There's no way you could convince me or any Bible-believing Christian that peace isn't important to the Lord when he has named peace over and over and over again. One of his names is peace, the Prince of Peace, the Lord of Peace, Jehovah Shalom, the God is peace. You just see that he is peace. Clearly peace matters to him. And what matters is, again, not calmness and serenity. Those are great. Those are important. Those are parts of it. But beyond that... Peace to the Lord is restoration and making you complete and making you whole. Taking those broken pieces and putting them back together again better than they were before. That's what he's talking about. So in Isaiah chapter 26, is anybody there? Because I'm not. I, just, I don't have enough bookmarks in this Bible of mine. Isaiah 26 in verse 3 says this, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. 
The Amplified Translation says it this way. You will keep in perfect and constant peace those whose mind is steadfast, that is, committed and focused on you in both inclination and character, because he trusts and take refuge in you with hope and confident expectation. How do you stay in peace? Right here. The Bible says that God will keep you in perfect, constant peace, the one whose mind is steadfast on the Lord. So regardless of what your scenarios are looking like, regardless of what storms you're walking through, regardless of the bills and the doctor's reports, regardless of the errands you have to run, regardless of all the school reports that are due and all the deadlines that you have and all the things that are coming at you, regardless of all those things, the way that you find yourself to stay in peace is by keeping your mind focused and fixed on God. And as you keep your mind fixed and focused on God, he keeps you in peace. And what is peace? Nothing missing, nothing lacking, completeness and wholeness in your life. God wants to bring you back to a place in your life of completion and wholeness where those things that are missing, that you're unsure of, that you're like, where has this gone in my life? Where has this gone in my life? Why do I deal with this? Why do I feel this way? Why is part of me missing? Why do I feel broken? Why am I sad? Why am I depressed? Why do I deal with this? God wants to bring peace back to your life and the way for him to bring peace back into your life life is for you and here's what always comes back to there's always part of it that relies on us it says here he will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him whose responsibility is it to keep their mind fixed and focused on the lord it's our job was talking about this in the very beginning of the nine o'clock service or probably I guess the end of the service <clears throat> when Peter walked on the water one of the greatest stories in the New Testament I just love Peter I Peter's got his robe on he's got to hike up his robe to get his leg over the side of the boat walking on the water there's peace because his eyes are focused and fixed on Jesus. He's not worried about where he's going. He's not worried about anything else. Just he said to Jesus, Peter says to Jesus, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come out to you. And Jesus says, well, it's me, so come on out. The water's fine. So Peter's like, cool, awesome, yeah, woo. Hikes up his, his uh, skirt, whatever he's wearing, <laughs> hikes it up throws a leg over, begins to walk on the water to Jesus. And I imagine there would have had to have been peace there because his eyes were fixed and focused on Jesus. And it was only when Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, when his gaze lost the focus on Jesus, when his mind wasn't stayed on the Lord, that he was suddenly caught up by the wind and the waves. And the Bible says when that happened, he immediately began to sink. So how do you keep yourself in peace? How do you stay in peace in the middle of all you're walking through? Listen, you're sitting here right now saying, listen, you don't know my life. You don't know the storms I'm walking through. You don't know the trials and the tribulations and the deadlines and the problems that I'm facing. You're right, I don't. Jesus does. And I guarantee you this. 
If you keep your eyes on him, that he will keep you in perfect peace. And peace just doesn't mean that as you're walking through the storm, that you'll be okay, that you'll feel all right. You're like, oh, this storm's really crazy, but I feel oddly okay about it. It means that as you walk through that storm, that God is going to bring you back to a place of completeness and wholeness in him. Because to him, that's what peace is. Stand up with me. I want you to close your eyes with me, and I want to pray for a minute. <clears throat> Father, we thank you that you are the giver of peace. Father, we thank you that you are peace, that you are peace in our life, that you are restoring and repairing, that you are putting the broken pieces back together again. Father, I thank you right now that you are filling us with your peace right now. That by your spirit, that you are quieting hearts and minds. That you're not just temporary silencing of our thoughts, but you are reordering pathways and thought styles in our brain in our emotions, that you are realigning them with the way that you desire us to think, with the way that you desire us to believe, so that the peace that comes from you repairs and restores, and that torment must go in the name of Jesus. I believe there's somebody here that has tormenting thoughts that the enemy brings to them, and God wants to say to you right now that his peace is overwhelming the enemy's lies right now in Jesus' name. That his peace is flooding your heart and your mind right now in the name of Jesus. And that his peace as it comes, it is bringing completion. It is bringing wholeness. It is bringing restoration. It is taking what the enemy has tried to destroy and it is repairing it to the way that he created it. There's somebody here that deals with fears, tormenting fears, tormenting dreams in the nighttime. And the Spirit of God is coming right now and he's saying to you, I'll take those from you. I'll remove those from your life right now and I will repair inside of you the way that you thought, the way that you believed, and the things that you allowed inside of your life that caused an open door to allow those things to come in. I'm going to repair that broken door that allowed those things inside of you. I'm going to repair and restore that broken entryway and cause it to be there no more inside of you. I'm bringing my peace to you today that brings wholeness and repair and restoration because I am the God of peace. <coughs> and my peace is not just calmness and quietness and serenity. My peace is a peace of repair. My peace is peace that brings restoration. My peace takes away the old and brings in the new. Father, I thank you right now for your spirit, for your word, that can only do a work that you can only do. 
Jesus, we thank you for your presence. Keep your eyes closed, and I just want to read this last passage of Scripture over you. In Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 to 24, 26. This is called the Aaronic Blessing. And the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say this to them. And I'm praying this over you today. And I pray that you open your hearts to receive all that God says, all that God is doing in you right now. And he says to you, the Lord bless you, keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Father, you are the giver of peace. And I thank you right now that you are bringing your peace into our homes that you're bringing your peace into our lives, into our relationships, into our finances, into our bodies, into our jobs. Father, I thank you that you are our peace. We love you. We thank you for all that you're doing. I speak completeness, wholeness, and repair in hearts and lives today. In the mighty name of Jesus, we all said, Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.